Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, March the 26th, 2019. It is currently 12.44 p.m. Central Time. Let me state that information again. It is Tuesday, March the 26th, 2019. It is 12.44 p.m. Central Time. And while this is a live broadcast for the VBC 66 app, a live broadcast, Yes, I know it's in the middle of the day, so I don't know who will be able to tune in. Um, a lot of people are at work, going about their day, having all their responsibilities, but there's some things happening today that I thought, you know, I have the opportunity, so let's pick up the iPad. Let's go live. I'm also recording this, so for those who may hear this recording posted, I don't, I don't know how many different places this may show up, but wherever it may show up, let me explain a couple of things. This is a live broadcast. Now, this live broadcast is not coming to you from a multi-million dollar studio. In fact, this live broadcast is not coming to you from a $10 studio. This live broadcast is coming to you from, well, my study. Um, so there could be a number of things that could cause disruptions. If those occur, I apologize in advance. All right, but I, I still think this will be beneficial even though it doesn't have all the, well, you know, in fact, I think it almost is important that it doesn't sound professional because here's a real question today. Can we really trust anything that is said by anyone talking to you from a multi-million dollar studio? I mean, can we really trust anyone who is sitting behind a desk on national television with millions of people watching, having making, and that channel is making millions of dollars off advertisements, and they're considered real news. They're not considered fake news. No, they're, they're the legitimate news media because they have a name like CNN or CBS or ABC or Fox. I mean, you can trust them, right? They never get anything wrong, right? I, I think we live in a time where we need uh, some some alternative voices. We need people who are speaking up and speaking out and using technology to, to counter the narrative. Narratives get created, and once those narratives get created, well, someone has to speak up. Someone has to, to call into question those narratives. So, now, I know I'm getting a little bit off topic, but so let's just go ahead and put everything into perspective. If you hear this, this is a live broadcast, so if you're just tuning in, welcome. We'll get to today's topic, and I'll get back to what I was just saying, I promise. Uh, but um, th this live recording, this live broadcast is being recorded, and it will be posted in a number of other locations. So for those who hear this in other locations, um, make sure you understand this is a live broadcast for the VBC 66 app. If you want to be able to tune in to the live broadcast and get all the other content that I'll be talking about here in a few minutes, uh, and you want access to everything, download the app by going to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Do a search for VBC66. VBC66, get the app. It's absolutely free. We don't want your money, but we do want you to use the app 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Tell everyone you know about the app. And we are not going to stop until every person on the face of the planet has the app on three devices. Okay, that's, that's a little maybe hyperbole, but you get the idea. Okay, so here's what we're trying to do today. There's a lot happening in the news. And there was a big news story that broke a couple of hours ago. I think it was around 
10 a.m. Central Time when the news broke. At about 10.45, I think it was around 10.45 a.m., 10.50 a.m., I hopped in the car to go get some food, listened to a number of people on radio talking about the story. I've come home, I kind of set the story aside, but then I started thinking about it more, and I thought, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be said here. So let's do this. Let's look at the, I want to look at two very important news stories. The second one is the one that broke today, but we've had a lot happen this week that I think should give us all, um, all a, a, a time to pause and really think about this carefully, all right? So let's go through this. For two years, President Trump has been under investigation for possible collusion with Russia. The, the, the charge was that the Trump administration was in collusion with Russia to ultimately get him elected. There was a special investigator appointed, Robert Mueller. He investigated for two years, hundreds of witnesses. I mean, just so, I mean, you go through all the things that occurred. Who knows how much money was spent? Two years. And all the news media could talk about for two years was Russia-Trump collusion, Russia-Trump collusion. And if you go find all the video clips of what the media was saying, I mean, they were basically saying, they kept using the same words over and over and over, which again, drives me crazy because if you watch those videos, there's like they're going from CNN to MSNB to CBS. They're going to all these different channels that are giving you news, but they're all using literally the same language as if there was a script written for them. Now, I know that's conspiratorial and thinking, but it just drives me crazy when you watch the news media, you go from one channel, they're like, bombshell, bombshell. They're all using the same word, bombshell. This is a bombshell. Or they kept saying, the walls are closing in on Trump. The walls are closing in on Trump. Or the noose is tightening around Trump's neck. You know, they're all using literally the same phrases, the same words. And they were all basically saying, look, President Trump is going to be indicted. He's going to be impeached. There was collusion with the Russian government. They weren't stating it as it was a possibility or giving him the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, it was just stated as a fact. And it was stated over and over and over and over and over. And then finally, Robert Mueller doesn't release his full report. I do understand that. We get a summary, and that summary seems to clearly state that there is no evidence, no proof that the Trump administration colluded with the Russian government to get him elected. So that would mean that the narrative that the that the national media was stating hour after hour after hour on news channels around the world was false. At I think at worst it was false. At best it was it was misinformed. At best it was it was not accurate. I mean, I don't even know how you want to classify it, but they were not giving a fair picture of the situation. They were basically assigning guilt before the proof, before the investigation had concluded. Now, to be fair, many conservatives were running around declaring innocence before the report was con con concluded, if I can get the word out, okay? So I wanna make sure we understand this. Well, on one side, guilt was being assigned before the investigation was concluded, and on the other side, innocence was being declared before the investigation was concluded. People were making final judgments based on incomplete information, but they were making judgments nevertheless. 
Keep that in mind because that's critical to what we're going to be talking about today. So that's story number one. That is a major slap in the face to the news media. And again, I, I want to make this very clear. There is something wrong, I think, in the news media in general, because you have the news media who, who basically almost serves as the monopoly. Here are the dominant voices. And the way it, it is viewed in our culture by many, especially those in power, these are the trusted names in news. CNN is trusted. You know, CBS, NBC, NP, NPR, MSNBC. Okay, those are the trusted sources. And anyone else, well, you should, you should be suspect of them. But even the major news sources, they got that story wrong. And they've gotten plenty of stories wrong. Remember weapons of mass destruction? Weapons of mass destruction. Iraq has them. We have to go in. They have weapons of mass destruction. They, they present a clear and present danger to the United States of America and to the world. The news media, for a large part, supported that claim. They supported that narrative. And anyone, and quote-unquote the alternative media, I know I had my microphone on screaming my head off about there are no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. There are no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And I didn't care how many people criticized me. I kept saying that. And guess what? Well, yes, there was no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. But yet, did the news media learn their lesson? No. We need more alternative voices speaking up. Now, I know those alternative voices may, like me, be standing here in a study without a multi-million dollar production crew, without even a $10 production crew. I don't have all that they have, but there has to be the ability for other voices to speak up. And it just seems that we're living in a time that any other voice that speaks up that doesn't buy into the narrative is immediately labeled as a conspiracy theorist, and there's a, a move to silence them. And that needs to be fought because we just have the Mueller investigation and this entire two-year debacle of the media making a claim that wasn't true. All right, so that's, that's story number one, and there's a lot we could say about that. Now, story number two. How many weeks ago was it? Let me pull up my notes here. I don't know... Uh, well, I, less than two weeks after uh, an individual pleaded not guilty. So I don't know when the story first broke. But if we go back a month or so ago, we had this story of an individual. It was around 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, Chicago time, where this individual decides, I'm hungry. So you know what I'll do? I'll go to Subway and get a sandwich. Now it's, I don't know, 17 below zero. I don't remember what the temperature was in Chicago, but they were in the middle of some horrible winter apocalypse uh, that, you know, should have kept people from going in, you know, going outside. But he went outside, walked to uh, Subway to get a sandwich. And on his way back, here's the claim, he was attacked by two individuals yelling racial slurs, wearing a Make America Great hats. They put a noose around his neck, pour, uh, poured uh, or splashed bleach upon him, and said all kinds of horrible things. Basically, his claim was he was a victim of a hate crime. The media went crazy. This actor, Jesse Smollett, from the TV show Empire, he, an African-American man who, as far as I know, claims to be gay. He was attacked. 
It was bigotry. It was racism. It was homophobia. Who knows? It was all kinds of things. And, and this was somehow used to say, this is how Trump supporters are. Now, I'm not a Trump uh, fan. Or I did not vote for Trump. Would not vote for Trump. Not a, a Trump supporter. But, of course, this was used to say, see, anyone who wears that Make America Great hat again is a racist, is a, homopho is a homophobic. It's all these horrible things. And the media went crazy with the story. Went crazy with the story. And it was being reported, again, not as an alleged attack. I know sometimes they would use the word alleged attack, but then they would go on and basically claim this actually occurred. And that was the narrative. And, it, and, it, and again, it went from beyond just him to basically use to go after all kinds of people. So, so basically the media, for the most part, heard the accusation, reported the accusation as being accurate as being truthful that we should believe it and anyone who questioned the narrative anyone who questioned the account anyone who questioned the accusation well that's because they're racist that's because they're conservative and that's because they're only basically contributing to the hate crime by another hate crime by by doubting his account wow that's 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 a bad situation all right so then out of the blue, how many uh, weeks ago now? I think I do have the number here. Um, less than two weeks. So it's been just a little less than two weeks. The Empire actor Jesse Smollett pleaded not guilty to 16 counts of disorderly conduct for allegedly lying to police about a hate crime. All right. So it's been just a little less than two weeks since he pleaded not guilty. Because he had to plead not guilty because then all of a sudden it came out that, wait a minute, he wasn't actually attacked. This was staged. He set this up. This whole thing was a fraud. He paid people to, to do this. That he sent a letter to, to, to the studio to, 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 that people making threats against him. And, and that he didn't feel that that got enough attention. So then he went a step further and basically staged a hate crime against himself either for political purposes, ideological purposes, or to further his career, whatever his motives were, there were all kinds of, of, of thoughts. And then everyone went crazy again. Now everybody was making jokes and there were memes and, and the news media started changing the narrative again. Well, today at around 10 a.m. Central Time, guess what happened? The prosecutors in that case dropped all the charges. They've all been dropped and his entire record is going to be wiped clean. So it's as if he was never accused of anything. He is still maintaining his innocence. He is still maintaining that he was attacked. He is not backing down. So now everyone's going to be left with, okay, from a legal perspective, he didn't do anything wrong. From a legal perspective, he's innocent. Right? I mean, he was innocent until proven guilty, so he was innocent. He, he had the presumption of innocence, and he is still now considered innocent because all charges are gone. The case is over. So now we go from he was attacked to he wasn't attacked to now all charges are dropped. What, what is the truth in this situation? So we had the Mueller investigation where there was a claim made by the media. We've had this Jesse Smollett case where the media made all kinds of claims. We had the Covington High kids 
Well, there was again, you know, the media jumped all of it. These kids were yelling racist things. These kids were saying, build a wall. These kids were saying all these things. They, they, they were harassing a Native American. All these, all these, you know, things they were saying. And then we get the full video and guess what? Oh, wait, the news media did not have it right again. Over and over and over again, the news media in this country has, has not just losing, they have lost all credibility. You cannot trust them. And I don't know what it's going to take to make more Americans say, you know what, I'm going to tune you out. I'm going to turn you, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to, it doesn't, I don't care. All of the major ones, there needs to be a, there needs to be consequences where the American public basically boycotts the major news media until the major news media apologizes and cleans house. We don't need channels of propagandists. We need channels where there are people reporting facts, reporting information, not making judgments. There is a difference between information and conclusion. And information says, this is the information we have. And you present it in a very clear way. This individual, it doesn't matter if it's doesn't matter where who you can go through all the stories you can go it doesn't matter okay we'll go through the the uh, russian trump collusion all right an investigation has been has been launched against president trump that him and his staff his administration colluded with the russian government to get elected these are the accusations here are the people who are making the accusations do these people have any vested interest in making these kinds of accusations? Is this a political play to try to destroy Trump because they didn't like the result of the election? Is this a political play to try to overturn the election of a president because they don't like it? Here are the accusations. Here's what proof has been discovered as of right now. At this point, we're not going to make any judgment. We're not going to bring people on the air who's going to make a judgment. We're simply going to give you the facts. We'll keep you up to date with all the facts. That's what they should have done. But no, they bring in so-called expert after expert. Give them time on national television to promote their view of the story instead of just reporting the facts. The Covington High. Hey, breaking news. A video is starting to go viral that seems to show some children, some young people from a Catholic high school possibly engaged in some um, wrong behavior. However, we're going to continue to investigate this story until we can find further proof because one viral video probably shouldn't be the source of our reporting. So let's go find a full video. Oh, we now have the full video. Now let's show everything in its proper context. They could have done that, but no, 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 no. They liked the narrative. They went with the narrative. The Jesse Smollett case. Again, they could have taken their time before they made judgments. Somehow they take a little bit of information and they believe information equals a conclusion. And it doesn't. Information is just giving you the, the parts of the story until you have to put it all together to finally let it all play out until you get to a conclusion. Now, I say all of that and there's a lot more I could say about that. There's a lot more I could say about that. But these are just some things I want to... Get off my chest right here. So I, I will do this. Let's, let's, let's build kind of a case that I want to build here. Number one, we have to become more skeptical 
of the news media. Now, this is a dangerous thing to be skeptical because it almost puts you in a situation where you don't believe anything. Right? So they could be reporting, you know, well, nuclear weapons were just launched at the United States of America, take cover immediately, and people are going to be like, yeah, whatever. I, why should I believe that? Well, that puts us in a bad, a bad situation because what do you believe? Because you want to know what's happening in the world around you. You want to be informed. You want to, you want to have an idea. I just think the situation is you have to just view everything you hear skeptically and you have to learn to listen. You have to learn to listen between when they give you a fact or an information until when it slides over into interpreting that fact or that information or drawing a conclusion from that fact and information. We're gonna have to, we really need to now begin to train and educate the younger generation and how to listen to news media and be able to determine the propaganda and the narrative from the facts, from the information. I, we, we, but it's, we, we're gonna have to be skeptical. And that, that skepticism can lead to just an absolute, don't trust anything, so no one really has a clue what's going on, because why even bother to try to figure out what's going on when you can't trust anyone about what's going on? That, that's, that's, a, that's a horrible thing. Number two, I think it is time. Oh, I wish I was a billionaire. Oh, I wish I was a billionaire. I think if there is ever a time in the history of the United States of America for a new media company, whether it's online, whether it's on YouTube, an actual organization, not just individuals like me or other people who use the internet to try to get their points across, but an actual a, a team of people who can create some kind of a news media outlet. And I think they should probably go full-fledged um, digital internet-based more than television-based because clearly that's the way the world's coming to. They could also use streaming services. But there's never been a time, uh, probably in, in the history of our country, where we need a, a media organization that, that can be trusted, that will, own, that will set aside all bias as much as humanly possible and, and get rid of the way the normal, the template that the way news media works. If you watch CNN or MSNB, NBC or Fox, if you can't see the template, let me explain how the template is done. First, a very short two, three, four, five minute report. Here's what's going on. And then almost immediately you go from a report where you may get some basic facts until then it slides over to let's bring in so-and-so expert. Let's bring so-and-so expert. And then it goes from whatever the facts were to now you get opinion. You get an interpretation of those facts. You get, you're handed a co conclusion about those facts. Sometimes they'll bring people from opposing sides and then they sit there on television and argue with one another, which only clouds the situation. Focus on the facts. Now I know the problem is you got 24 hours a day, seven days a week to fill airtime. And so what do you do? You gotta, you gotta, you can't just sit there and repeat the facts because if you just state the facts, you probably won't be able to talk very long. I think that's why they have to expand their coverage to, I don't know, talking about what's happening around the world and not just three or four stories happening in the United States of America. There's a lot of things, but we need a new media company. We do. We need a, we need an alternative. Just like in politics, we need a third, a viable third party and not a two-party system like we currently have been going through. We need a viable alternative, a viable one. And not one that just simply says, most of the media is liberal, 
We're going to be the conservative alternative. No, I don't want a news media that is liberal. I don't want a news media that is conservative. I want a news media that is based and cares about truth, not an agenda. The only agenda should be truth. Oh, we we desperately need that. So we need to be skeptical. Number two, we need a new... We need a new group of people. And I guess number three, we need more people utilizing technology to try to counter the narrative. Now, again, we have to try to counter the narrative based off truth and not based off an ideological issue. We have to try to find more people to speak up about truth. There's a lot of things going on here that we need to unpack, but I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to go through this quick. I'm going to go through this quick. And then we'll try to develop this a little bit more. But just for this afternoon broadcast, I want to just do this quickly. Are you ready? All right. If we consider what's happening in our world, and as Christians, we have to try to view things from a biblical perspective. Our our worldview must be based off scripture. So I was thinking about this. First verse that comes to mind, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. All right. Matthew 7.15 tells me to beware of false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening, ravening wolves. Okay, I get the idea. Now that's primarily dealing with uh, a Christian or a, a biblical presentation or, or a church or a pastor or a prophet, someone who comes forward claiming to be preaching God's word, be, beware because there's many of them that are false prophets. They're going to come to you in sheep's clothing. They're going to come to you in a disguise. But the main thing I want you to take from this verse is it's a call to discernment. It's a call to judge. You have to make some kind of judgment based off what you, you know, you've got to be able to judge to be so that you can know there are false prophets out there. You're going to have to make a, a judgment. That's a false prophet. That's a true prophet. That's a false message. That is a true message. We are called to have biblical discernment, especially when it comes to people teaching the word of God. All right, I get that. But it does call for some kind of judgment. Now, what's interesting, Matthew 7, 15 is in the very same chapter that begins with these words. Because in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, we read, very important, Judge not, lest ye be judged. So some people take Matthew 7, 1 as we should never judge, and that no, that's not accurate because Matthew 7, 15 tells us we have to make some kind of judgment. We have to discern in some kinds of ways. So what we need to figure out is, for a Christian... How do we judge? How do we make judgment? Because if you look at the uh, the Mueller case, the Covington High case, and the Jesse Smollett case, these were people, everyone in the world were making judgments, and many of their judgments were absolutely false. As Christians, we need to have a biblical way of thinking when it comes to making judgments. So, I want us to think about maybe some biblical principles when it comes to judging, all right? Number one, we'll call these rules or principles for Christian judgment, all right? Because we we have to make judgments. We have to. Even if you look at someone and say, judge not lest ye be judged, you still had to make a judgment that they were judging. 
And now you're judging. They're judging. So judge not lest ye be judged can't just be an, a, a complete condemnation of making judgments because again, Matthew 7, 15 tells me to beware of false prophets. Well, if I'm looking out for false prophets, I'm going to have to make a judgment that someone is false. I'm going to have, the Bible calls for me to make all kinds of judgments, but it tells us how we should do so. It, it gives us perspective on how we should judge. So we'll say this, number one, we have to judge scripturally, right? We have to judge scripturally. Our standard for a Christian is God's word, not our feelings, not our traditions, not our opinions. Right and wrong should always be determined by God's word. We must judge scripturally. The scriptures is the basis of our judgment. So how does this apply to Christians and when it comes to some of these news stories? You cannot judge news stories based off your political affiliation. You cannot judge news stories based off the way you were raised, based off your emotion, based off your opinion. Judgment for a Christian should be done scripturally. And I think the scriptural principle for judgment is truth versus falsehood, right versus wrong. You don't look and see if there's a, an R behind the name or a D behind the name or in front of the name, a, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, whether it's a conservative versus a liberal. And if it's a liberal and they do something, you condemn them. But if it's a Republican who does something, you you know, exonerate them and make excuses for them. No, we judge scripturally. And I think the primary, and that means the word of God is our standard and God's word cares about truth and about right and about wrong, not about political affiliation, ideological affiliation, philosophical affiliation, whether it supports your idea or doesn't. So many Christians, when it comes to political ideas, will say, this is right and this is wrong. And you're like, are you judging that scripturally or are you judging that because you just agree with that political perspective? Is that a biblical judgment or is that your political feelings? We have to judge scripturally, all right? We've got to, we, 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 need, we need a, more than a generation. We, we, we need... We need people everywhere of all gen we don't need we don't need to look to a future generation we need to look at the older generation uh, the 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 middle-aged generation the younger generation the generation to come we just need Christians everywhere who develop biblical discernment skills they're not being hijacked politically or philosophically they judge things from a scriptural standpoint that that is number 1 so we have to judge scripturally number 2 we have to, listen, we have to withhold judgment when God's word is silent. We have to withhold judgment when God's word is silent. Now, this may deal more with theological matters and biblical matters and may not be um, as applicable to things happening in the world, but I, I think I can make it applicable. But let me, let's, let's handle it from a theological perspective first. And then we'll, 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 we'll flesh this out a little bit from a scriptural standpoint, from a church standpoint. When God's word is silent, 
we remain silent. And the reason why is because we believe the Bible is the authority which we judge things according to the scriptures. So if the scriptures doesn't specifically condemn it or is silent, then we have to be careful that we are silent. Now, there are biblical principles that we can take to say, I believe this is wrong. And some people can say, well, the Bible is not very specific there. We're talking about the Bible being completely silent, all right? When the Bible is completely silent on a matter, we have to be careful to be silent on the matter. And that's because we believe the Bible is the source of truth. It's, the, it's God's revelation. So now we can, we can try to apply that to a lot of theological issues. Um, and it's always hard because people will, will say, well, here's a scripture, I think it applies. And I know sometimes that that, that can be debate. That, that becomes a matter of hermeneutics. But I think you get the idea. If the Bible's not clear, be careful. Be silent. Now, what, how can we apply that to the Jesse Smollett, the, the Mueller situation? Well, in this situation, I think this is the principle. Until we have facts until we have all truth, until we have all the information, withhold judgment. Don't speak when you don't have authoritative sources and authoritative information. We have to figure out where the authoritative information is, read the authoritative information, listen to the authoritative information. Don't listen to people commenting on the authoritative information. Read it for yourself, then and only then can you place a judgment. I think that's the, the only way to apply it in this particular case. From a theological perspective, from a Christian perspective, if God's word is silent on it, I have to be silent on it. And so many times we want to make the Bible say things that it doesn't say, right? Um, you can go, I mean, I can go through all kinds of, of, of different examples uh, uh, in the Bible, but you'll hear Christians making these judgments or saying, this, this is what must happen. You're like, well, wait a minute. The Bible doesn't actually say that anywhere, okay? Like, what, what verse are you using to, to come up with that? Sometimes they have a verse, sometimes they don't. Now, if they have a verse, we have to consider how they're applying the verse, and then that becomes a hermeneutical debate. I hope that makes sense. So, number one, we have to judge we have to judge things biblically scripturally number 2 we don't judge when god's word is silent right number 3 i think we could heed maybe the words of james 1:5 here if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it sh and it shall be given him so i think i think in this idea we should we should constantly be praying and seeking wisdom. We should be praying and seeking wisdom. Now, I say pray and seek because what some people will do will quote James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God and he giveth it to all men. As if the way to obtain wisdom is simply by asking God for it. You can't remove James 1.5 from the rest of the Bible because the rest of the Bible also implies that the way to gain wisdom is, well, you have to fear God, because that's the beginning of wisdom, right? We have to seek his word. That's the source, God, since God is the source of wisdom, and he has given his, his word in a written form, and then the word of God is the written source of wisdom, if you want. So we need people who are praying for, but are also actively pursuing biblical wisdom. And we do so by fearing God and being absolutely committed to the study of his word. We need people with biblical wisdom. 
wisdom, that ability. We need to be as wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. If we look at our world today, there are so many issues around us. It doesn't matter what the controversy is. There's controversies about this. There's, there's debates about gender and about, about uh, you know, homosexuality, uh, you know, transgender. Uh, there's, there's issues about abortion. There's issues about politics. There's issues about, about uh, religious freedom. There's just so many issues going on in our world, and we need Christians who sound like they have a wisdom that the world doesn't have. And we, if we're going to have a biblical wisdom, which the world doesn't have, we have to get it through praying and asking for it, but also we must make sure we are fearing God. That is the beginning of wisdom. And then we must be absolutely obsessed with gaining God, with God's word. God's word is, we can't have wisdom apart from God's word. If you think you're going to be wise apart from God's word, you're fooling yourself. We have to just, our, we, our mind has to be saturated with scripture. We, we Not just to be able to cite it, we have to understand it. We have to interpret it. So Christian, we need Christians who care about discernment, right? So they're going to biblically judge everything, right? Because they care about discernment. They're not going to place a judgment where they don't have all the information. They're going to be very careful. When the Bible is silent, we're going to be silent. We're not going to pronounce a biblical judgment when the Bible doesn't pronounce a biblical judgment, and we're going to apply that further, but if we don't have all the facts, we're not going to make a judgment. I mean, it's just what we do. We withhold. We, we hold. We, we put a hand over our mouth, and it's, it's, it's hard to do, especially when, when I did the News and Focus uh, program um, in the past, and I had, you know, what, 30,000 people listening to me a month. You want to be first. You want to be fast. Man, you want when you when you see the news, you want to hop on, hit record, and go. And you want to give you want to give an opinion. You want to give you want to, and and you can start making judgments when you shouldn't. And and it's hard in, in a world where you know you want those Facebook likes, you want those Instagram follows, you want those YouTube subscribers. It's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. And we just have to be we have to be aware of that and go. Wait a minute, I want to speak here. Doesn't mean you can't speak. Just means we've got to learn how to speak differently, so that we're not making a judgment. We're not. We're we're, we're providing information. We're not providing col uh, not collusion. We're not. We're not providing conclusions. <laughs> I want to keep saying collusion because that's the only word I've heard for two years. Right. So hopefully you get those ideas. So let's go through those again. Number one, we judge scripturally. We need biblical discernment. Number two, we don't judge when God's word is silent. We will expand that. We don't judge when we do not have all the facts and have all the information. Too many times you hear Christians running around making judgments about things, whether it's climate change, whether it's medical issues, and they do not have all the facts, they do not have all the information, they watched a YouTube video somewhere, they, they've got gained information from, from questionable sources, and they start spy, throwing out judgments like they are experts. No, we got to get all the facts, all the relevant facts. And, and sometimes you have Christians making judgments, saying that, you know, acting as if their judgment is from the Bible when the Bible is actually silent about the situation. Next, we must, we must seek wisdom. We seek it through prayer, ensuring that we truly fear God, because they're the beginning of wisdom, fear of God, and we must have the scriptures. We must be consumed with the scriptures. Next, Proverbs 24, 23 says, These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. 
Don't respect persons or don't play favorites. When it comes to judging, we don't have a respect of persons in judgment. The judgment is based off right and based off wrong. It's based off facts. It's based off truth. It's not, again, they're Republican, they're liberal, they're, they're, they're an atheist, they're an agnostic, they're a Muslim, they're the, no, 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 no. They're a homosexual, they're transgender. And so we, we almost have one standard of judgment for people we disagree with and a different standard of judgment for those we agree with. We cannot do that. I'll give you an example. During the 1990s, conservatives were running around saying character matters. We do not want someone in the White House who does not have good character and good morals. And Bill Clinton is a sexual deviant. He is, he is involved in sexual immorality. He is ungodly. He is not fit to be in the White House. He is horrible. He's had affairs. He's done all kinds of horrible things. And character matters. We must remove him from being president. Because character matters. That's all you heard from conservatives and even from pastors from the pulpit. That, the, that, he, that he is a horrible example. And we don't want like anyone like that in the White House. And then here comes Donald Trump. Oh, he's got a past of all kinds of behaviors, right? Questionable behaviors and moral behaviors, ungodly behaviors. And all of a sudden, those same People who were saying character matters in the 90s were now saying, well, you know, I mean, no one's perfect and God is merciful and, and God is great. And, and, you know, and I, I even heard some Christian radio, people on Christian radio say, well, you know, Donald Trump is a baby Christian. He's a baby Christian, so we've got to be patient with him. And it doesn't matter how many stories come out about sleeping with porn stars or with this or with that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we have an audio tape with him saying some horrific things. It's okay. It's okay. We're all, we're not perfect. Almost a different standard of judgment because they liked Trump versus the same people giving a different judgment for Clinton because they didn't like him. So now it comes down to how do we judge someone being fit to be president. Do we base it off past sexual misconduct? Do we base it off past statements? People were going through um, Beto Aruk, Aruk, I think you say his name, here in Texas. If I mispronounced his name, uh, I apologize. Uh, but uh, everyone's, he wants to run for the Democratic, you know, to become the uh, Democrat nominee for 2020. And so people started going through, well, when he was 16, he was a part of a hacker group. Oh, he's not fit to be president. Oh, he wrote something in a journal or wrote something on a message board in two, and way back when he was a teenager that talked about, you know, fantasizing running people over with a car. He's not fit to be president because character matters. And someone who was a hacker and someone who had these weird fantasies when they were a teenager, they're not fit to be president. Oh, so now character matters again when it's a Democrat, but anything Trump says or does, there's an excuse. We cannot do that. As the world does that. We can't do that. Christians, we can't be a respecter of persons in judgment. It's based off truth, facts, the word of God. I think that's an important principle. All right. Um, next, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got a bunch here, but I'll, I'll do this. 
let's do this. Let's judge mercifully. Let's add this to the thing. With our judgment, we also believe in mercy. We believe in redemption. We believe in forgiveness. And we believe in restoration. Sometimes when people judge, whether it's Christians, especially Christians, whatever's happening in the world, we judge and we offer condemnation. Now, it doesn't mean there can't be condemnation upon an action, upon an act, upon an individual for what they have done. I'm not saying there cannot be condemnation because there has to be, right? There has to be this action was wrong. This person was wrong. This was not right. And we offer a judgment, again, based off, you know, carefully following all the things I've already outlined. But with judgment comes mercy. With we, we offer, we want to judge and condemn and hope of bringing someone to repentance, bringing someone to be restored. We, we want to, we want to hope for their, for them to, to become better as a result of it. Sometimes I just think we end with they're wrong, condemn them to the 12th level of hell, brand them, throw them out, stone the heathen, the end. How about, how about restoration? How about help? How about, what can we do? Now, sometimes when you say that, people think you're excusing sin, you're excusing wrong. I remember when the first, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, Jack Hiles' old church. Now, there was a lot of controversy and things happening during when Jack Hiles was, uh, was pastor there, but we won't get into all those stories. But the pastor, it was in the 2000s. I don't remember when it was. From my understanding of the story, um, he left his phone on the pulpit. A deacon walked up, picked up the phone, saw some message from a one of the, I think, guess it was a teenager. I don't know if it was in the church or outside the church. Seems that that pastor had had some kind of relate, inappropriate relationship with this teenager. Now, of course, they, they, they had to do the right thing. Obviously, this has got to be turned over to the authorities because you got a grown man with an underage girl. So obviously, they did the right thing there. They took immediate steps. Absolutely. His action, he needed to face consequences, legal actions. He, he committed a crime. He ended up going to jail. Um, I don't know all this. I don't know everything that happened, but I remember way back then uh, coming on the air and saying, "Hey, let's pray for the individual. You know, if we, we if we can find out how to contact him in you know prison, let's write him a letter and say, "Hey, man, we're we're praying for you. You know what happened? Now, it doesn't mean we excuse what 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 he did. It doesn't mean we excuse it. it. Doesn't mean in any way we say you you were right, you were wonderful. But Christianity is always a religion of we sin, we fall, but there's mercy, there's hope, there's grace, there's restoration. There has to be that. If Christianity doesn't have that, then, then we're no different than just being a, a, a list of moral codes. And when you don't when you don't live up to that moral code, you get hit in the head with a rock. Christianity is about a cross where God sent his son who was sinless to die for those of us who were sinners. We deserved condemnation, yet there was mercy. Doesn't mean God excuses our sin. No, he, he punished our sin, but on the person of his son. Our sins were imputed or accredited to his account. His wrath was poured out on our sins on, on his son. That's what Christianity is all about. So we can still condemn, but there has to be mercy connected to our judgments. We want to say, yes, that person in the news, they did this. This is wrong. That's horrible behavior. But hey, let's pray for them. Let's pray for, for hope. Let's, let's offer hope to them. 
And it's hard to find that balance. It is hard to find that balance, trust me. Because I, I just, I know in my own life, the life of many other people, if you've, if you've been involved in any sin that w became quote unquote public or scandalous, even though, you know, we, that, that kind of indicates that we don't view all sin that way. But if we, if we commit a sin that it reaches that level, it's amazing how many people will offer condemnation, how many people will gossip, how many people will slander, <laughs> how few people will offer hope or mercy and want restoration. Want, they don't want, many don't even want restoration. They just want death. They want you destroyed. They want you to never be heard from again. And I'm like, well, Jesus seems to offer, I mean, I'm glad he didn't do that to Peter, right? I'm glad he restored Peter to service. I'm glad he didn't do that to David. David committed a horrible act, but yet he still wrote a good portion of the Psalms. You know, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of lots of situations like that. Um, so Moses murdered someone. He killed someone. He was still used by God. That, that we have to, failure is not, is not condoned. Condemnation is necessary. But with that, there must be mercy and grace and restoration. All right, and then one other point. We have to make sure that when, as Christians, when we're judging, whether it's things in the world or theological, however we're judging, when we're making judgments, we have to not forget to judge ourselves. We have to judge ourselves. All right, Matthew chapter 7, verse 4, again, still in Matthew 7, interesting, all these verses have come from, a lot of these verses come from Matthew 7. Oh, how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shall thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. A good judge will not fail to judge himself. That last part doesn't come from the text. It's me adding that last part, but you get the idea. Yes, we have to judge ourselves. We can walk around going, look, look, oh, look at that. Look at that splinter in your eye. Look at that splinter in your eye. Look, oh, look, 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 look. Look what they did. 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 And we don't realize we have a two by four sticking out in, it, that's stuck in our eye. We have to look in the mirror, take out the two by four out of our own eye. That doesn't mean we ignore the splinter in someone else's eye. But the goal is not just to point out the splinter in someone else's eye and go, look, look, look at you. It's to help them remove the splinter. <laughs> That's the goal, to remove it. But we must judge ourselves. So I'll go through these quickly. All right, number one, we must judge scripturally. We need biblical discernment. Number two, we don't judge when God's word is silent or when we don't have all the facts. Number three, we seek wisdom. We do this through fear, through prayer, praying for wisdom. Fearing God, we've got to ensure that we truly fear God. Saturating our brains with the scriptures because the scriptures is the source of God's wisdom. I mean, if we believe, if we believe God is the source of wisdom, well, then he, he's going to provide us that wisdom in a written form through his written revelation, his word. It doesn't just magically, you just don't pray for it and it just magically shows up. I think he gives us, we pray for it, but we have to do something as well. We don't respect persons. Our judgments need to be fair. Our judgments need to be just, accurate, right. We don't say, oh, well, liberal, Republican, whatever the case may be. 
Uh, oh, look, look, we're gonna we're gonna accuse someone of because we don't like uh, someone's politics, then we don't believe them when they make an accusation. We got to be careful with that. Or or we say, well, you know, something bad happened to them, but you know, it's not that bad because we're, we don't like their politics. We, you're showing a respect to persons. All right, uh, next we have to judge with mercy. Mercy has to be a part of our judgment. It has to be. It has to be. Somehow we have to add mercy and grace to judgment. We have to. And I know it's hard to do in the political climate that we're in. Man, it's so hard to do. Man, something happens in the news and I'm ready to just start beating people down over the head verbally. And I'm like, well, wait, where's, where's mercy and grace? I'm, I'm a Christian. And then I got to never forget to judge myself. Man, I got to never forget to judge myself. I don't know about you. I got enough wrong with me. <laughs> forget having one two by four. I probably got 37 two by fours. Okay. Okay. I got a lot of, I got to judge myself. So I, I, those are just some basic things I, I, I was thinking about today because in light of everything happening in the news, again, from the Mueller investigation and two years of hearing one narrative that turns out not to be true, uh, we'll go back to the Covington kids, a narrative that was told to us to be that was true. Everyone's making judgments in all these situations. The Jesse Smollett case, found out now, I don't know what the truth is. Um, all of these situations were were put before us by the news media. We all, everyone listening to me, you probably offered some kind of judgment. Were our judgments handled in a scriptural way? This holds true to what's happening in the world. This holds true theologically. It just holds true a number of ways. People judge. We do. And there's a call in scripture at times to make judgments. But there's also a call to make those judgments rightly. We need to have biblical discernment so that we make biblical judgments in a way that glorifies God, honors his word, and doesn't bring harm and hurt to the name of Christ and to other people. I'll stop right there. Thank you for tu uh, tuning into this special afternoon broadcast. I know it wasn't announced in advance, so I didn't give anyone very much time to listen. Uh, whoever is listening, thank you. If you're not a if you're not a member of Victory Baptist Church, or even if you are a, Victor, a member of Victory Baptist Church, you can always email me at newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Just let me know who you are, where you're listening from. And uh, I still haven't figured out the best way to do the live broadcast. I still I don't know. Do I announce them? Do I schedule them? I kind of like it just being more organic and just hey something's going on. I mean that's the point of doing it live over the app. It's for the people using the app. It's for me to go, hey, guys, don't know what you're doing right now, but hey, take out your phone, take out your iPad, open up the app, let's talk. And it's not to be done like in a professional podcasting way. It's just to be very normal, very organic. I, that's what I'm shooting for. Um, I don't know if I'll, and, and then again, that's why I'm not really worried about like distractions. I got a dog here that could start barking phone. It's just to be like, hey, you got the app? Okay, listen, listen, I, I got some things to tell you. All right, so do that. Um, one other, just one quick thing I want to point out. If you have our app, I think it's in the food for thought section. I added this just a couple of hours ago. Let me go to it. I'll be, I'm going to be adding a lot of uh, stuff over the next few hours probably, so just be checking. But in the food for thought section, four steps backwards, four steps backward. 
Uh, Four Steps Backward is the name of it. Um, How do you know whether something is true? Do you test it by observation? Think through it logically? So we're talking about truth. We're talking about discerning. We're talking about logic. A lot of things. Go listen to that. It's from a a classic message by R.C. Sproul um, dealing with epistemology. Uh, That's the study of knowledge. You don't know what epistemology is. So uh, go listen to it. Four step backwards, uh, four steps backward, not backwards, backward, um, in the Food for Thought section on the VBC app. Go listen to it today. And uh, well, I'll stop right there. Thank you for listening. I greatly appreciate your support. And I just love the fact that we have the ability in 2019 that I can just hit a button, go live, talk to people anywhere in the world about what's happening in the world and challenge you and me and challenge myself that we all need to stop and think before we judge that we're doing so in a correct manner. I've been guilty of doing it incorrectly and I'm pretty sure you have as well. May God forgive us, may God help us, and may we become people who judge in a biblical way and not in an ungodly way. Thank you for listening, God bless. 